Aloha, thank you for listening to Healing with Aloha podcast. I'm Desmond Hakias. Please follow us on Instagram at Healing with Aloha and also on TikTok, Healing with Aloha. And back to our episode. Aloha. Welcome to the Healing with Aloha podcast. I'm Deslyn Hakias. And on this podcast, we talk about grief, we talk about mental health, we talk about healing, and we talk about passion. And, you know, we are blessed to have um, our special guest today, um, Kathy Doregi. Um, and she's going to be sharing um, with us um, some great things, um, you know, talking about hope and grief, which is, you know, what this podcast has been um about um, initially when I started it back in 2019. Uh, she's an entrepreneur, author, and facilitator. Her memoir, The Butterfly Years, A Journey Through Grief Toward Hope, details her personal journey through grief. Kathy, uh, um, sorry, uh, Kathy hopes to inspire others to work through grief and find hope on the other side. She's also the president of Artisan Creative, a staffing and recruiting agency focused on digital, creative, and marketing talent and based in Los Angeles. So I'd like to send a warm aloha and have welcome you onto this podcast. Hi, uh, Caddy. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, Deslyn. Thank you so much for the invitation and for the beautiful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, you know, can you share with people a little bit about what led you to, to writing a memoir that is so special and so dear to your heart um, about grief? Absolutely. Happy to. So my intention was not to write a memoir. So I'll say, say that initially for everybody to kind of see what the arc of the story was. Uh, I went through a pretty dark period of time for a few years. I lost my mom, my dad, and my stepmom within four months of each other. And then two years later, I lost a cousin and an uncle. And then two years later after that, I lost my stepdad. So in about a a four-year period, about six people that were very, very close to me um, passed away. And as I struggled kind of to come out of that darkness over time, I learned a thing or two uh, about just what worked for me, how I was able to uh, move aside from this darkness. And that's why I use the butterfly um, analogy and the book is called The Butterfly Years because it really felt like I was in this dark chrysalis. And But I did come out of it. I came out of it and I spread my wings and I took flight So what I intended to do, what I first set out was to create a journal. I wanted Mm -hmm. to have a kind of a self-help journal for people who were going through the grieving process because writing had helped me so much. um, And that was one of the tools, if you will, that I had utilized. I wanted to create a space for people to, to be able to do that. And as I started on the journal this other story, like the personal story kept wanting to come out. And so I, you know, I kept struggling with it. I didn't want to write a memoir, but the (laughs) memoir was what was showing up on paper. (laughs) So it took me three years to write this little book. uh, And because I think I was just in conflict with not necessarily wanting to share the personal story. And once I did, 
it was so cathartic and it was it would really helped me on that road towards you know towards hope and towards healing so in a long way around I ended up creating the journal afterward but the memoir memoir came first (laughs) but you know I think it's 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 interesting and it's amazing how you you know you intended to to go about it one way and then you're um, prompted and inspired um to go about it this way and um like you said like the reason why you chose it to be the butterfly it's like you know the the progress um the struggle that uh, a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly it it, it's a struggle yes and it's a painful struggle from from all accounts that i've read about yeah and i think it's it's important for people to understand that everyone goes about it differently how they deal with their grief um but you're you're just sharing from your personal experience and hope that someone else can understand that you know your your relationship um your understanding is going to be different from the next person and it's okay yeah absolutely i'm so glad you said it because i think that was one of my biggest lessons learned was that you know and i think i'm the first to admit that the grieving process initially had a lot of judgment tied into it for me. You know, uh, I kept questioning myself if I was grieving the right way. I, I was watching others around me and my family making judgments as to like, are they, they're not grieving enough or they should be grieving mm-hmm. more or, and that, that was the biggest lesson really realizing that very much like a fingerprint, everybody just goes through it on their own, right? And who am I to judge how somebody else is processing it? And who am I to judge myself even? So that self-judgment was a big, big, big piece of that. Uh, And then just accepting it, recognizing it that, yeah, it's been 10 years, but I still sometimes go through it. A memory triggers something and that's okay to just, you know, to give ourselves the permission to feel the emotion whenever we need to feel the emotion. Yeah. And, and I think like what you said is true, like, uh, you know, especially like with our families and our, and people who are close to us, like we all deep, um, we all address grief differently. Some people are more outward. Yep. And some people are more inward and not one is better than the other, but um, that's something that people need to realize that we, we, we're just trying to go through life and, and to do it the best that we know how. Yeah, exactly. And just from a culture perspective is also very different. Um, and that was another lesson in that, uh, you know, obviously I live here, I've, I've grown up in the West, but my origins are from, from the Middle East, from Iran. And it's just different how people show emotion and how they grieve over there than they do here so I just felt like I was stuck in this this duality of whether I was doing it the right way or not yeah and there is no right way and there's no wrong way it it's just it just is right you know I I think like um what I wanted to um wanted you to share is like um because everybody you know I don't know how to say when we when we deal with a loss um like whether it's a loved one or like you know their secondary losses and whatnot um what did you learn because there you you went from losing your mom your dad your your, your step you said your stepdad 
your uncle. Um, you, what did you find um, as you you went went through the process of you know like it was like one person then the next person like um what what did you do to, to help yourself to cope or to um, acknowledge that you know this loved one this is their time and you know um, I don't know if that I'm seeing it the right way. Uh, so it, it was interesting in that some of the people who passed um, was after a long health battle. And some of the people who passed had been ill, but they had kept it very private. So mm-hmm. not too many people. And in some in cases, I didn't even know. And some of the people who passed, passed suddenly without any um, it, you know, like one day they were there and next day they weren't. And um, I don't, I, they were both incredibly shocking and incredibly painful, but in different ways. And in some of the ways in my mom's case, uh, at least it had been such a long battle with lung cancer that um, I hadn't quite reconciled it, but I had grieved for seven years before she died. I mean, I knew what was coming. So like we were all going through this cancer treatment together, grieving the loss from the beginning. My stepdad went suddenly and Mm. I felt like I never had a chance to say what I wanted to say. And, you know, I, I feel fortunate that I did say I love you to him two nights before he passed in our last conversation. But so the, again, whether it's a long loss, um, whether it's an immediate loss, they all affect us very, very differently and they affect every person differently. So I'm not sure if there was like one lesson learned necessarily because they were such different journeys as you know uh, how that is. Um, But I do know that the night after my mom died, um, I think something just really odd was happening to me. Like my senses were very activated Um, I've talked about this. I talk about it in the book, which is something that I had a hard time reconciling. Like colors were brighter, food tasted more tasty. Like I felt like I had, like I was alive. Mm. And um, that alone came with guilt too, right? But I think what I realized is at that moment, I, for the first time ever, I recognized how precious life was. And it somehow instilled in me this, this uh, appreciation for, for everything around me. You know, I, I was like, oh, I've never heard a bird before like that. I've never seen a green color of a grass like that. And so something just woke up in me in this time when there was so much death around me. I, I think I thought I was living for them. So, well, yeah. And then it's, it's also real. Like you said, you didn't, you didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. that you'd be like reactivating you're like this is a wonderful life yeah like that's almost like like the way you're explaining it you feel like it, it's such a wonderful life yeah you know and um it's interesting how we can we can feel guilty for appreciating life because I think like for me when my my sister was like the closest um relationship to me she passed away uh 2001 um it was hard 
because it was like it was unexpected it was an unexpected that mm-hmm. and like you know I talked to her that day and then she had passed away but um the ability to live life you know the guilt is something that I had to like work through you know what you I mean um and so it's interesting like how you, you share that that's something that we can have in common a lot of times when we're grieving is being able to in embrace life on behalf of them because when you think about some some like our loved ones some of them they just want you to be happy and mm-hmm. that's something I had to come resolve with is like they the the same love and happiness they wanted for us it's still the same yeah exactly exactly but it's interesting because we know they want that for us um, and it's another thing for us to allow ourselves to accept that um, and so, so that that you know the self judgment that I was mentioning earlier, I think a lot of that's also entwined into that. I remember laughing uh, at, at something and then taking a pause and saying, "Should I be laughing? Like, should I be happy at this moment? I'm sad. Why am I laughing?" And just this back and forth uh, was really interesting. Um, I did read something uh, in a book called. The Other Side of Sadness is, I believe, the name of the book by George Bonanno. Are, are you familiar with it? No, no. And he talks about this concept of oscillation that, you know, we laugh, we cry, we, you know, like we breathe in, we breathe out. So it's like that that whole oscillation of emotions is actually a pretty natural thing. But I didn't know about it back then. So when I was laughing and then thinking, well, I shouldn't be laughing, I should be sad. Uh, right and you know I think because a lot of it is ingrained in us right that this is how you you grieve Uh, my sister uh, she she was so funny she's like I I swear she should have become a comedian like she was a naturally funny person and so um, a lot of times when I I laugh it reminds me of her Mm, you know what I mean yeah yeah, but I think humor um, has a way of helping us cope yes you know with our sadness yes Absolutely. Humor does. Community does. I mean, what you've created here to create a community for others to talk about this is so beautiful and so empowering. So thank you. No, thank Mm -hmm. you so much. One of the things that um, I wanted for you to share is uh, how can we activate hope? Well, the Oh, you can't see it on my wall. I have a I have a little quote on my wall that says dwell in possibilities, which is an Emily Dickinson quote. And I'm a firm believer that we just need to allow ourselves to just receive whatever it is that's coming coming at us. And hope is one of those things. And it, it's it, yeah, yeah, maybe it's not tangible. Maybe it's this thing that's out there. <laughs> but uh, having this fundamental belief that tomorrow will be better than it is today. I don't know how, but mm. that's what I'm holding on to, that tomorrow will be better, that I have the, you know, I have the capacity within me to make it better. Um, and as I was going through my grieving process, how I did that was through writing, through journaling, through gratitude, you know, having a gratitude practice, having a meditation practice. These were my little tools in my toolbox to take care of myself. 
Mm. Uh, and it was through that self-care. You know, there's many paths to get there, but for me, that those self-care little tools were my way of um, taking control of something. Because obviously, there's we can't control anything else that's out there. We can't control unfortunately the losses there's nothing that we can do there the only thing I could control was can I take care of myself so believing that tomorrow is going to be better uh, believing that we have the capacity within us to make that happen knowing that you know different people take different paths and that there will be definitely times that we're going to stumble and fall and be okay with that right is just be kind to ourselves to get there. And I think that's a really powerful way of uh, activating hope, making it happen. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate like the way you're um, explaining it. Like, yeah, it's not tangible, but like there's that, that hope and expectation that, okay, right now it sucks. Right now it's hurtful. Right now it's painful, right? Whatever it is that we can be feeling, but just holding on that tomorrow you know what I mean and then um just dealing with I I I feel like each moment as it comes yeah because sometimes I don't know about you but in the beginning of your grief journey when you look ahead like a week a year it it seems overwhelming mm-hmm. but um to be able to pull back and and what you said like you found a tool and I think it's important for everybody to find a tool to help with your self-care and writing just happened to be your tool. Yeah. There are so many tools out there if we are open to utilizing them. Um, You know, for, I'm by no means an exercise person. Uh, Just (laughs) tell that to your, uh, to your audience. But uh, Zumba ended up being, who knew, like I started working out and I started going to dance classes, um, and I did that with guilt because I wasn't sure if I should be dancing and being happy. The endorphins were kicking in, but boy, it was helping me. It was helping my mindset. It was helping my mood. Um, so I dance and then maybe I would have a couple of tears at the same time. It was just such a you know confusing time, but recognizing, and I think this is an important thing for everyone to recognize, different things will help each of us differently. You know, for me, it happened to be music, working out, dancing, writing, meditating. For some people, it could be nature. For others, it could be cooking, what, whatever it may be. But to just, just know that we have that within us. We may not see it yet because we're so deep into it. Um, but we, And that's where hope comes into play. You know, it's one of these days, it, it will be better. The loss will never go away. As you know, uh, it's been 21 years mm-hmm. since your sister passed. Yeah. Um, it's been 11 years since my parents passed. It still feels like yesterday. That's what I tell people. It still feels like yesterday. Yeah. You, just, you, you just shift. Yeah. You know, accordingly, you yeah. know, and I think it's, it's a be- it's a beautiful thing when you're able to um, find what helps you to get through, you know, um, like you said, everybody has different tools and some people are ready to explore those tools. Some people aren't and, and it's okay, you know, but um, 
that the, the, there's options for us when we're ready to, to process. And, exactly. And to begin healing. Exactly. Exactly. And it's funny, Deslin, because little, little things happen that trigger us and it takes us back to that very first moment of hearing of, of the loss. Um, I was just talking to one of my colleagues an hour ago uh, and I said, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? And she's like, Oh, I'm going to take my dad out for dinner. And I'm like, Oh, is it his birthday? And she says, No, it's Father's Day. And then for like, whoosh, I was like back to the moment of, Oh, I'd forgotten that it's Father's Day. I don't have a dad to celebrate. And I could so easily go into that mode of loss again. Um, But I also choose to say, you know what? Yeah, it's Father's Day. I'm gonna pour a glass of his favorite wine and celebrate him on <laughs> Father's my dad, Day, yeah. right? <laughs> that's what he would have wanted. And right. That's what we would have done had he, if he were here, we would have celebrated together. So, so that's what I choose now is to celebrate. But you know, that, that is, I think that's what, like, that's, that, that gives hope to mm-hmm. hear someone share. Like you said, it's been 10 years. Um, my, my dad passed away also um, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so we, we finally just did um, his, uh, we, we um, did our celebration of life for my mm-hmm. dad just now, but um, like to, to be able to transition and, and to be able to honor and, and, you know, remember them in our yes. own special way. Like that, that's, that's something that is beautiful. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It may not so, be right away, but <laughs> you so know. I'm curious. So the celebration for your celebration of life for your dad happened just recently, mm-hmm. like like on a tenth anniversary. Um, no. Uh, you know what? It was like a few months after. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we did it at the beach. Uh beautiful. Uh, a beach that like he enjoyed going to. And so, and it was real private. We didn't have like a big thing. When my sister passed away, we had a really big, like it was hundreds and hundreds of people, mm-hmm. you know, at hers, but it was more intimate with my siblings and then um, his siblings. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, beautiful. Um, so um, I'm so grateful to have had a chance to, to meet with you and, and to talk about something that is so important and just being able to, to let people know that, you matter and and talking about it it's important that maybe we're not in a setting that people around us is ready to talk about it but we can talk about it and so I'm so glad that you took the time to to come and share about grief and you know your memoir and and just how you know it started with an idea to do a journal to help other people and then here you are what is the best way for people um, to connect with you uh, the best way, either through my own website, uh, katiduragi.com, or through the butterflyyears.com is the, the book of the journal and has my contact. And also I'm on Instagram, so I'll be following you. And <laughs> the Butterfly Years Journal is, is the Instagram handle. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, so you, you can't not find me. <laughs> If there's a world, there's a way. You got it. You got it. But uh, guys, thank you so much for listening in and getting to know uh, Kathy. Uh, Kate, oh, sorry, Katie. Kathy. Kathy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it's just like my name. My name is so difficult. Um, you know, and just 
uh, take the time to, you know, look at her book and, and really immerse yourself and desire to, to understand your grief journey and how you're able to help someone else too with their process. And uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to Healing with Aloha. Guys, take care and aloha. Aloha.